I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Howdy, folks. You all ready for a spooky tale? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This here's the Old Montana Cowboy Podcast. And we're bringing you stories of park rangers, cryptids, and military encounters that'll have, yeah, shivering in your saddle. So, round up your cattle and settle in for a ghostly adventure that'll leave you questioning what's real and what's not. Let's go. The grandeur of Grand Teton National Park was something to behold. The towering peaks of the Teton Range, majestic and imposing, 
stood sentinel over the pristine landscape of alpine meadows, dense forests, and sparkling lakes. As a park ranger, I had the privilege of calling this breathtaking wilderness my office, and I cherished the moments when I could simply stand in awe of nature's beauty. My day took a sharp turn from serene to urgent when I received a call about a group of missing campers. They had been due back at the ranger station days ago, and their families were growing increasingly concerned. With a heady sense of duty, I set out to search for the lost group, hoping to bring them back safely. I trekked through the woods, following the trail the campers had taken. Eventually, I stumbled upon their abandoned campsite. The tent was still standing, but it looked as if it had been hastily abandoned. It was clear that something had frightened the campers, causing them to flee in a hurry. As I continued to search the surrounding area, my ears picked up the unmistakable sound of a human scream echoing through the forest. My heart raced as I sprinted in the direction of the noise, fear and adrenaline fueling my every step. I prayed that I would reach the campers in time, but I couldn't shake the nagging feeling that something was very wrong. As I burst through a thicket, I was met with a terrifying sight. The missing campers were running for their lives from a massive creature that bore a striking resemblance to Bigfoot. It stood at least eight feet tall with shaggy, matted fur covering its muscular frame. Its arms were long and powerful, ending in hands tipped with sharp, curved claws. Its face was a mix of both human and animal features, with piercing, intelligent eyes that seemed to bore into my very soul. The creature let out a guttural roar as it pursued the terrified campers, its strides easily covering the ground between them. When it noticed my presence, however, it stopped in its tracks, eyeing me with a mix of curiosity and menace. To my surprise and relief, it suddenly turned and began to flee into the woods. Refusing to let the monster escape, I raised my rifle and took aim, firing several shots at the retreating creature. I was certain that at least one of the bullets had found its mark, but the beast continued to flee, eventually disappearing from sight. In the aftermath of the encounter, I reunited the shaken campers with their families, grateful that they had survived their terrifying ordeal. Despite my best efforts, however, the creature that had terrorized them was never seen again in Grand Teton National Park. Rumors of the encounter circulated amongst the park rangers and visitors, but many dismissed the story as mere folklore. As for me, I couldn't help but wonder what other mysteries and unknown dangers might be lurking in the depths of the park, hidden from the eyes of those who ventured into its vast wilderness. I went to bed yesterday as usual. I don't remember seeing or feeling anything out of ordinary prior to that. But what happened next was possibly the most real dream I've ever had, to the point that I'm not sure if it even was one. It all started with me waking up. And waking up in the middle of the night, or at least I thought I woke up. Next, I saw a very bright, cold white light coming out the window. It wasn't focused like a flashlight would be. More as if there was a very bright light bulb, and it was getting more and more bright. At some point, I felt that my ears started ringing. I was scared shitless, to be honest, but just froze in bed and stared at the light. I closed my eyes because it was getting painfully bright, and then there's like a gap in my memory. 
Maybe I fell asleep, but the next thing I remember is what I would call the second part of this dream. So here I wake up again, only to see that I'm no longer in my bed, but instead lying on some kind of a table with two literal aliens standing just next to me. Here I would like to say that I couldn't move anything besides my head, and even that was pretty difficult. Also, the table certainly was a little too short for me, cause my feet were dangling over the edge. Now, about these beings, their skin was very pale and kinda yellowish, almost like a corpse skin would look like. They had no hair whatsoever and were completely naked. Their eyes were just sort of plain gray color and only a little bigger than regular human eye. Their heads were bigger than human heads too, but not like in those cliché descriptions. Ears were kind of pointy and protruding out. Their height was about five feet tall, I'd say. They had very narrow shoulders, lanky arms and legs. But what stood out is that their bellies were huge. Think like a beer belly on a very fragile body. The room was well lit. The walls looked like they were made of some really dark metal. And in the corner on the right stood what I would describe as a see-through bathtub filled to the top with what looked like sausages, and to make it weirder, there were two of these aliens sitting in that bathtub and staring at me. Oh, God, the stench! It felt like something had died and was rotting in there. Next, one of the humanoids standing next to me had this thing in its hands. Best I could describe it as a starfish, but it was dark brown. The alien lifted my shirt off and placed that starfish thing on my belly. It felt like it attached itself to me. It was kind of slimy and overall felt disgusting. Right after doing that, it left the room through the entrance that was behind me. I couldn't see where it led. The three remaining aliens just kept staring at me without saying or doing a thing. After a while, I started feeling dizzy and as if I was about to vomit. I can't tell why. Maybe it was the stench, but a few minutes after the alien came back and took the starfish thingy off me, I passed out almost immediately after. Then I woke up in my own bed, no signs of aliens anywhere. My stomach looked as if nothing happened to it, but I still felt pretty sick. I had breakfast, and in a few hours I think the feeling simply went away. I had been a park ranger for years, and I thought I had seen it all. But one night deep in the heart of the forest I encountered something that shook me to my core. I was on my nightly patrol checking on the park's inhabitants and making sure everything was running smoothly. That's when I saw it, a dark figure lurking in the shadows with two glowing eyes that seemed to pierce through the darkness. As I got closer, I realized it was a Bigfoot, but not like any I had ever seen before. It was taller than any man I had ever seen, with broad shoulders and long arms that hung down past its knees. Its fur was a deep, dark brown, almost black, and it seemed to shimmer in the moonlight. But it was the eyes that really caught my attention. They were a bright, glowing green, and they seemed to look right through me. I froze, unsure of what to do next. The creature let out a low growl, and I could feel the vibrations of its voice in my chest. I took a step back, but it didn't seem to be aggressive. It just stood there, staring at me with those eerie, glowing eyes. After a few moments, the Bigfoot turned and vanished into the forest, leaving me alone in the dark. I reported the sighting to my superiors, but they didn't believe me. 
They said it was just my imagination, or that I had seen a bear or a trick of the light. But I knew what I had seen. That Bigfoot was real, and it was out there lurking in the shadows of the forest. And I couldn't shake the feeling that it was watching me, waiting for its chance to reveal itself once again. I am FBI Agent Kate, and I have been assigned to investigate a string of disappearances in a remote national park. The disappearances have all occurred in the same area, and the victims have never been found. The locals believe that a cryptid is responsible for the attacks, and it's my job to investigate. I arrived at the park and began my investigation. I spoke to the locals and scoured the woods for any signs of the creature, but nothing came up and I was starting to feel frustrated. One night, as I was walking back to my cabin, I heard a strange noise. It was a low growl, and it seemed to be coming from the woods. I hesitated, unsure of what to do, but I knew I had to investigate. As I walked into the woods, the sounds grew louder. I could hear twigs snapping underfoot, and the growling grew more intense. Suddenly, something lunged at me from the darkness. I didn't even have time to react. I hit the ground hard, and the creature was on top of me. I tried to fight back, but it was too strong. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before. It had long, razor-sharp claws, and its skin was mottled with green and brown. Its eyes glowed in the darkness, and its breath was hot against my face. I tried to reach for my gun, but it was too late. The creature's jaws closed around my neck, and I knew that I was done for. I could feel its teeth sinking into my flesh, and I knew that I had only moments left to live. But then, something strange happened. The creature suddenly recoiled as if it had been burned. It let out a loud screech and ran off into the woods. I lay there gasping for breath and trying to process what had just happened. I managed to make it back to my cabin, but I was in bad shape. The creature had left deep wounds on my neck, and I knew that I needed medical attention. But more than that, I knew that I had to warn the others. I reported the incident to my superiors, and they sent a team to investigate. They found evidence of the creature, and I was hailed as a hero for surviving the attack. But even as I accepted their praise, I knew that something wasn't right. The woods were full of secrets, and I had just uncovered one of the darkest. We were camping with a summer adventure program at Indian Crossing. When it started to get darker, we decided to play a game similar to Capture the Flag. My friend and I left a few minutes early to go hide when we saw a large object or creature that had red eyes in the glare of our flashlight. It was too tall to be a bear and too big to be a human, and the eyes weren't a deer's eyes because they were for sure red. It wasn't moving really, but we didn't get to see it for very long because we got scared and ran back to camp. We told Jeff, our camp leader, what had just happened, and he seemed to have believed us, unlike all the other kids. We were still scared, but Jeff wanted to go exploring to see if we could find more evidence. We found broken trees and also fallen logs that were ripped open somehow. I don't know if Jeff was just trying to scare us or not, but he said there was a dead deer on the side of the road that was nearby the campground that didn't look like it got hit by a car. About a half of a year later, my mom said, 
she talked to this botanist that was at Blue Hole, a place about two miles from the Bigfoot sighting, and she saw tracks that were really big and couldn't be human. She took pictures of the tracks, but I haven't seen yet. My friend and I honestly think we saw Bigfoot, so we have been doing all this research. We are destined to find Bigfoot again and prove everyone wrong. I was born in 1968. I am the son of a miner, father and a miner. I am the father of two children. The incident happened to me in the mine where I worked a year or two before I retired. Everything started after an accident in the mine. That day I went to the workplace as usual. In the morning after having breakfast in the canteen of the workplace, I got into the cage to go 260 meters underground. When I say cage, I mean an elevator. We mine workers preferred to call it a cage instead of an elevator because it was a simple device that worked with a large crane rather than an elevator. Anyway, I went down to the mine. After working until the end of the shift, I started walking towards the bottom of the shaft. We called the place where we got into the cage the bottom of the shaft. As I was walking slowly, an engine passed by me quickly. What I call an engine can be considered as a small train. It was a relatively simple device compared to the train, pulling only wagons weighing up to one ton at most. There were workers on the engine. Normally, they are forbidden to do this, but sometimes, when the workers are very tired after work, they ride on the engine to avoid walking. I continued to walk slowly as the engine sped past me. Then there was shouting coming from up ahead. Someone seemed to be moaning in a wheezing voice. I moved towards the direction of the sound. In order to understand exactly what was happening, I started to look around carefully. When I approached the place where the sound came from, I saw that someone was lying in the water channel on the side of the air door. Blood was flowing from the person lying in the water channel as if from a faucet. At that moment, I went into a short-term shock. In that chaos, we immediately carried the injured person to the lift entrance, which we call the bottom of the shaft, and sent him to the hospital. I still could not get over the shock of that image. That day, that person who was injured in that accident died. This incident affected me deeply. My psychology turned upside down. According to what I learned later, the accident happened as follows. While the workers were traveling with the engine, the air door did not open. Since the engine was also fast, the engine hit the door with great violence. The worker who was caught between the engine and the door was crushed badly during this impact. In the days following this incident, when I passed through that gate, it always seemed to me as if someone was still lying in the water channel. I couldn't pass through there by myself. Since the hearth was not sufficiently lit, it was always very dark inside the hearth. It was only illuminated by fluorescent lamps, which were very sparsely placed in certain parts of the hearth. Because of the effect of this incident, I was completely disenchanted with work. I didn't feel like going to work at all, but I had to. Anyway, one day when I was at work again, I was the last one left at the end of work in the area of the mine where I was working. When I looked around, everyone had left. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I sat down somewhere. Such a weight fell on me that it seemed like a lifetime to go from there to the lift area, which the workers called the bottom of the shaft. I said to myself, I'll rest a little where I'm sitting and then I'll go. My eyes closed for a while. I was between sleep and wakefulness. I saw a man approaching me from ahead, holding a lamp in his hand. There is no work left at the stove at this hour. I guess he stayed later like me, I said to myself. That light that was approaching me suddenly disappeared. Oh my God, where did this man go? I said to myself. Then I thought, let me sit for one or two more minutes. Maybe the man who just disappeared will come back and we can go to the lift together. Then my eyes closed again. I don't know how much time passed. Suddenly I woke up with a very severe slap. But what a slap. I thought my neck was broken. I immediately recovered and looked around me. There was no one. It was impossible for someone to hit me and run away. For this reason, I started running towards the lift in fear and panic. That day I didn't tell anyone about what had happened. One or two weeks later, I was the last one again. This time I hurried up and went straight to the lift entrance. As I sat down and waited for the lift to arrive, I noticed that something jet black was coming towards me. It had a hand lamp and a hard hat, but neither of them was lit. It was slowly approaching me. I called out from afar, Master. What's wrong? Did the lamp malfunction? He didn't answer. Instead, it kept coming towards me slowly. I felt a strong sense of fear that I didn't know why. I wanted to get up and leave. I even wanted to run away, but I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. Although he was very close to me, I couldn't see his face or body clearly. It was as if the man coming towards me was not a tangible substance, but a shadow, a silhouette. Don't ever sleep on the hearth again, he said to me. I could feel the man's speech not in my ears, but in my brain. He spoke to me almost telepathically and disappeared. I had heard of such events from a few other people before, but I didn't believe it. At that moment, those stories I would heard went through my mind. I read all the prayers I knew. That black silhouette had not harmed me, but living that moment had further disrupted my already broken psychology. I couldn't get up from where I was sitting for another one. Two minutes. After a while, I pulled myself together and walked away from there. When I told my friends what had happened to me, they did not believe me. When I told what happened to me to the imam of the village where I lived, the imam believed me and said the following, They are the owners of the mine. As you know, according to Islamic belief, the souls of martyrs can choose to stay in this world instead of going to the hereafter if they wish. According to a saying of the Islamic prophet Muhammad, those who die under the rubble are considered martyrs just like those who die in war. That's why we call people who died in the mines mine martyrs. Most probably that thing you saw in the mine was the spirit of a mine martyr and it warned you. He wanted to protect you. After that day I never slept in the mine again. 
about the story. Hello, I am a journalist living in Turkey. Investigating the paranormal is my special interest. The story you have just read is a true story that was shared with me by one of my readers on condition of anonymity. Yellowstone National Park is a breathtaking wonderland of geysers, hot springs, and majestic wildlife. As a park ranger named Jenna, I've spent countless hours patrolling its sprawling landscapes and marveling at its natural beauty. One night, while on my regular patrol, I saw something that left me shaken to my core. I caught sight of a creature unlike any other, with fur as black as the night eyes, that glowed like embers. It was a werewolf. The werewolf was massive, towering over me on two legs with sharp claws that glinted in the moonlight. I froze in terror as it locked eyes with me, a low growl rumbling deep in its chest. Despite my fear, I knew that I had to follow the creature to try and figure out what it was doing in the park. I trailed it through the wilderness, careful to keep my distance as it moved deeper into the forest. But as I tried to get closer, I stumbled and lost my footing, causing the werewolf to hear me and sprint away. I tried to follow, but soon lost sight of it in the darkness. When I reported the sighting to my supervisor, he dismissed it as a figment of my imagination. I was devastated that no one believed me, despite knowing what I had seen. For weeks after the encounter, I felt like I was being watched, like the werewolf was still out there lurking in the shadows. And even though I knew that it was unlikely, I couldn't shake the feeling that I wasn't alone in the wilderness. As the weeks went on, I found myself becoming more and more paranoid. Every rustle in the bushes, every howl in the distance sent shivers down my spine. I couldn't shake the feeling that the werewolf was still out there waiting for its chance to strike. One night, while on patrol, I heard a faint howling in the distance. It was the same howling I had heard on the night of my encounter. I knew that I had to investigate. I followed the howling to a remote section of the park where I found a pack of wolves. But among them, I caught sight of the werewolf once again. This time, I was prepared. I had brought a camera with me to document the creature's existence, and I was able to capture a clear image of it. As I turned to leave, I fell and the camera broke. Wolves heard me, and they started running in my direction. I stand up and run to my truck. Once left, I just sighed and told myself that I'm not paid enough to witness this crap. We rounded a slight bend in I-84, which then pointed us with a view toward the river, and both noticed something in the edge of the water to our right and down approximately. 150, 200 feet to the bottom of the gorge near river's edge on the bank. Nearest I-84, Oregon side, down at approximately 35-45 degrees from the horizontal. We viewed the object for about 30 seconds before our travel brought us past some tall trees nearer to our location, which then obscured our view. I spotted the object first. I was driving, and my wife saw it after I pointed it out to her from her vantage in the front passenger seat. Without a doubt, there was definitely something there. Definitely something humanoid-like, and definitely movement. When I first spotted the figure, its, its appearance was classic example. Pointed head with head or neck 
angled forward of the body trunk or spine and arms elbows, which appeared to flex or hinge backward. It was in the water standing up, up to approximately lower mid-calf, approximately ten feet from shore. The overall appearance was dark brown and from our vantage point appeared too tall to be a person of normal height. Our estimate was that it was seven feet plus in height. At any rate, it appeared to be farther from the shore than it was tall, but not by much. Despite the apparent height, the body appeared to be somewhat slender in overall proportion. Not like a bulked-up football linebacker or tackle, but more slender and proportionate like a quarterback. Its outline was smooth from head to waterline with the same dark color consistent all over. Example, no color change, which might indicate clothing or indicate a color change from the top clothing to the trousers. Likewise, wading boots were not seen. No other human equipment of any kind was seen nearby to indicate that it was a fisherman, nor was there a fishing platform to be seen nearby or at its exact location. I've been a park ranger for over a decade, but nothing could have prepared me for the horrors I was about to uncover. For the past few months there had been a string of mysterious deaths in the park. People would disappear without a trace, and their bodies would be found mutilated and twisted beyond recognition. At first we thought it was just a coincidence, but as the number of victims increased we knew something was amiss. I was tasked with investigating the deaths, and as I delved deeper into the case, I realized that the deaths may be connected to a secret society of occultists who were using the park as a site for their dark rituals. I spent countless nights camping out in the woods, hoping to catch a glimpse of the cultists, but each night was the same. Nothing but the rustling of leaves and the sound of owls hooting in the distance. I was starting to lose hope until one night I heard chanting in the distance. I followed the sound creeping through the woods, trying to stay hidden. As I got closer, I saw a group of hooded figures standing in a clearing surrounding a fire. They were chanting in a language I couldn't understand, and I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck standing on end. Suddenly, one of the figures turned and looked directly at me. I froze, hoping that they hadn't seen me. But then the figure pointed directly at me and the chanting stopped. The other cultists turned to look at me and I knew I was in trouble. I turned to run, but it was too late. The cultists were closing in on me, their eyes glowing in the firelight. I tried to fight them off, but they were too strong. They dragged me towards the fire and I could feel the heat on my face. As they started to chant again, I knew that I was about to become their sacrifice. I closed my eyes, hoping it would all be over quickly. But as I opened them again, I realized that I was no longer in the park. I was in a dark, underground chamber, surrounded by the cultists. The chanting grew louder, and I could see that they had a knife in their hands. I tried to struggle, but it was no use. The cultists held me down as they began to carve strange symbols into my flesh. The pain was excruciating, and I screamed until my throat was raw. When they were finished, they left me in the chamber, bleeding and broken. I don't know how long I was there before I was found, but I know that I'll never forget the horrors of that night. The park may look like a peaceful place, but beneath the surface lies a darkness that is best left undisturbed. 
The time was two or three in the morning. I was taking my dog outside so he could do his job. I heard a gunshot next door. I was wondering why there was a shot, then it stopped. Then I heard a rumbling running through some trees. Then the tree limbs were shaking a lot. Then I heard a loud scream. High-pitched sound scared the crap out of me. Then I looked up at a tree. I saw these big eyes looking at me. It was all black. I knew it was something I did not hear before or see. I am sorry to say the place where it happened has burned down. All the trees were cut down. I had had a very close encounter with what I believe was an alien. I was about nine or ten, playing in my friend's backyard, which happened to be a forest. The four of us were playing games in the forest and decided to take a break. We all gathered around a couple of fallen trees to hang out when suddenly, from behind a tree no more than six, seven feet in front of me, a tall, dark creature poked its head out. I very briefly made eye contact with it. Or at least it felt like I was staring it in the eye. I couldn't actually see the eyes as the creature was very dark. I turned to look at my one of my friends who had also noticed this creature. Without saying a word to each other, we bolted from the forest and into his house. The two other friends followed us closely, not realizing what we had just experienced. This experience still haunts me to this day. I still lose sleep over it nearly twenty years later. I lost touch with the friends I was with that day, but I did contact the one who also saw the creature a couple of years ago just to get his thoughts. He pretty much remembers the exact same thing. I wish there was a group I could join or a therapist that wouldn't think I'm totally crazy. I feel like that experience has played a significant role in my life. I'm still searching for answers and would love to chat with others who have similar experiences. I need to know I'm not alone in feeling consumed by my experience twenty years ago. In 1980, one of my friends lived in a very rural cabin near Baxter State Park, Maine. The road was only traveled by the residents. You could drive on it and not expect to see any other cars. I was driving up there one night as I went around the last bend before reaching the cabin. An eight-foot-tall Sasquatch was standing on the side of the road. It was massive. It had to be four feet across the shoulders with brownish-blonde hair. I then noticed that it was a male. His skin was dark. The face had a long beard and looked both ape-like and human-like. He stood there motionless, looking at me. I was freaked out when my headlights were on him and we actually made contact. He was not twenty feet from me. I sped past and then into my friend's driveway. I ran into the cabin screaming that I had seen a huge Sasquatch. A few years later, I bought a small property near Mount Blue State Park, Maine. One winter, a friend was visiting from Utah. My boyfriend and his friends went out on the snowmobiles at night. Later, we were inside the cabin and started hearing these bizarre growls. Like no noise I had ever heard before or since. The growls got louder and louder, and then whatever this was started screaming, literally shaking the cabin. It was right outside. I ran toward the door and placed a board barricade through the loop. As soon as I did that, something was pulling and shaking the door on the other side. Each time we changed our position in the cabin, that part of the cabin would be attacked. We were terrified. 
My boyfriend had brought a pistol, so I grabbed it. We climbed the ladder to the bedroom. Whatever that thing was landed on the roof above us. Its screams were the scariest things you have ever heard, and they're impossible to repeat. Just as we thought our lives were over, we could hear the snowmobiles coming back. Whatever that thing was finally ran off. We told the guys what had happened, and they went out to look for tracks. At first, they thought we were crazy until they saw huge unknown prints with long claw marks in the snow. There were deep scratches on the window frames and outside walls. My boyfriend was an experienced hunter. He couldn't explain the prints or the deep claw marks. I soon moved out west to California. There is no way I was staying in that cabin, let alone in Maine. 